Hello, good morning, good afternoon and welcome to the World Cup Daily Podcast brought to you by the Sports Gazette. Over the next 30 episodes or so, we will be bringing you all of the action from the Women's Rugby World Cup out in New Zealand starting this weekend on the 8th of October running all the way through to the 12th of November with a final at Eden Park. There will be six of us from the Sports Gazette taking you through all of the pool stages, the quarters, the semis and the finals themselves and uh, we've got a star-studded team uh, taking you through all of the pool stages. Six voices you'll be hearing over the next uh, four weeks or so. Myself, Fergus Mainland and Alex Reid taking you through Pool A with New Zealand, Australia, Wales and Scotland. Pool B will be covered by Ruben Blignault and Caleb Mutumbwa and Pool C will be covered by Imogen Ainsworth, James and Price taking you through England, France, South Africa and Fiji. I should say Pool B, Canada, United States, Italy and Japan. But before we kick off it is worth noting that this World Cup it is different from the last one that happened five years ago. Uh, for the first time ever, we've got quarter-finals. The top two teams from each of the pool stages will qualify directly for the quarters, plus the two best third-place teams will be joining them to make up your eight quarter-final teams. So, we'll dive straight into our preview episode. Uh, like I said, this is our first episode, and after the first day of matches, we'll be taking you through a daily episode, 10 to 15 minutes each day. And... Um, well, not jinx it, but we think we might be the only news outlet doing a daily podcast throughout the World Cup. So buckle up, folks. You're in for the long haul with us. So without a doubt, Alex and I will talk you through Pool A. As I said, New Zealand, Australia, Wales and Scotland. New Zealand, obviously the home team, Alex. They're coming in number two ranked in the country and uh, arguably favourites to uh, top this group. Yeah, well, they should be. I mean, um, if you look at the other teams in the group, they don't have anywhere near as much quality as New Zealand have. They've won. New Zealand have won the last five. Um, although before that, they lost their last four on a bounce, even though they were two England and France, which you could argue are the two other favourites to win the whole thing. Um, if you look at their fixtures against Australia recently as well, they've beaten them home and away. And there's there's returning stars like people like uh, Kendra Cox Edge. Um, he's been playing really well recently. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Kendra coming in along with Rene Wycliffe, both of them the fourth World Cups. Uh, but I think um, one of the biggest headlines I think from that World Cup squad when it was announced was that uh, Sylvia Brunt, uh, she's going to her first World Cup aged 18. And when you're the defending champions on home soil and you've got over 30,000 people coming to your first match, it's daunting, isn't it? It's really daunting. Yeah, yeah, it is. They've also got three players from um, the Blackburn Sevens playing in their side: um, Stacey Fuller, um, Sarah Harini, and Portia Woodman. So there should be a lot of um, gas in that side, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I thought a couple of omissions, though. Um, I think the recent captains, two of their recent captains, including Eloise um, Blackwell, they've they've both been ruled out of this squad. Obviously, they've got a new head coach. Uh, coming in, Wayne Smith, he's the new director of rugby, so clearly those two just aren't fitting the style of play that he's looking for. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got the co-captains going into the tournament, Ruha Damon and Kennedy Simon. I mean, Damon's been in absolutely amazing form. If you look at this, um, games against Australia, um, she scored a lot of tries. She loves taking the ball to the line as well, which is going to be good for them um, when they're looking to play wide. So yeah, I think even though they have got two new captains, um, it'll probably benefit them mm. in the long run. Yeah, I think I I see I see New Zealand going all the way 
through this group, top in this group, probably without any trouble. Um, I mean, he's battered, absolutely battered Japan 95-12. Yeah. Um, and I think any team that scores more points and you've got minutes in the game <laughs> is uh, is certainly on for a winner. But they did lose to England and France twice in 2021. However, I think you can partly put that down to COVID restrictions that um, New Zealand face, so yeah. struggling to actually come together as a team. But I think that result against Japan and what we've seen earlier in the year, they're coming back to the form that we should be expecting. Yeah, I mean, we're going to speak a lot about New Zealand as these um, as this tournament goes on, but if we look around the group, um, Australia have had a turbulent build-up. Mm. Um, they've only won one match this year, and uh, their head coach and assistant head coach, or ex-head and assistant, um, were ousted in 2021 for using derogatory language to their players, and that must have had an effect on the squad, I think. You see these stories coming up on Twitter time and time again, and other news outlets mind you Twitter's probably not what you call news <laughs> outlet um, of these these coaches who are finally getting ousted from their positions and it's it's a nice thing to see these coaches finally getting ousted but you do wonder how how big of an impact they've had on their squad culture but they've won they've they won one versus Fiji then they lost their next six games so they're they're short of form Australia so I think they could um, they could get some surprise and roll their way through the likes of um, Scotland and Wales. Yeah, I mean, I've written down here, I think there's a very re- realistic chance they don't get out of this group. Um, Wales are coming into it on a high. They've had their best finish in the Six Nations since '09, and they've just handed out their first pro contracts, which has had an effect, um, a visible effect on the players in their squad. So I w- um, that's the match I'm going to be looking forward to going into the group. Yeah, definitely. It would be, I mean... 2017 Australia could only manage was it sixth place so I think if they can't even make it into the top eight that'll be a disastrous yeah disastrous World Cup for them um, but as you said Wales are coming in in sparkling form actually those pro contracts that they signed was fantastic I mean we're just waiting for the next stage for the WRU to actually step up and say right we're going to award we're going to give a full 15 or a full 23 starting contracts that's the next step we're looking for um, but they did give out some semi-pro contracts before the Six Nations, and we saw the impact of that mm. um, with two wins from the Six Nations, which was great from them. And um, I was going to say in competition for the rest of them, but I mean they got pummeled by um, England. Uh, we yeah. won't, we don't need to talk too much about England. You no. know, Imo and James are going to sing their praises uh, later on. But um, that wheel, that first game, that wheel Scotland game, yeah, be an absolute cracker, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be a humding of that. Because um, yeah, I mean. I can't see Scotland getting anything out of the game, if I'm honest, because um, they didn't have a great Six Nations. Um, but they did beat Ireland and Ireland in the um, run-up to qualifying, and obviously they beat Colombia to finally qualify for the um, World Cup. But it should be a really good game, yeah. I well, I back Scotland more than you do. <laughs> uh, there will be yeah, there will be bias coming into that. But I think if you look back at the previous results that Scotland have had against Wales. Uh, this year's Six Nations, Scotland lost 24-19. Last year's Six Nations, they won 27-20. And 2019, Wales beat Scotland by two points. So it's going to be a very, very close match. Um, and I think, as I alluded to earlier, I I back these teams to give Australia a real push. So I, I think whoever wins this game has a real chance at yeah. making those, um, those quarterfinals. Um, Will it be Scotland? I don't know. I mean, they lost. They not lost just to the United States in the warm-up game at Murrayfield uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, I think it was about five points in it or something at Murrayfield. It was a really, really good match from them. Um, but their whole campaign is currently overshadowed by Scottish rugby's handling of um, the Siobhan Cassigan affair, um, who sadly passed away age 26 not so long ago due to head injuries and there's been accusations of malpractice and everything so that's covered overshadowing the whole Scotland squad at the moment so they've got to go in and get a good result against that Wales match to actually set the agenda on to well we're just here to play rugby and uh, do as best as we can yeah um who do you think is going to qualify then put your hat on it see New Zealand will win the group um New Zealand will win the group I think they've got a fantastic home support I think it'll then be I I think then Australia and then Scotland over Wales. Oh, wow. Okay. I think Scotland get a win against um, Wales this weekend. Um, and they're going to do it through the likes of um, Rona Lloyd and just absolutely charging head on at um, Wales and just um, being the stronger team and the, the more attacking team on the day. I'm going to make a big call and say that Australia don't get out of the group. Um, it'll be New Zealand and Wales that qualify. And um, then we go from there, I guess. Go from there go from there so that was pool a that's our rapid rundown of pool a uh, we're hugely excited to see what happens there obviously tracking new zealand touchwood for them all the way through to the final however the likes of pool b reuben and caleb will be um certainly giving some of them a run for the money particularly with the likes of um canada and the united states how how do you see the groups sort of shaping up over the next um couple of games or so um, to see who gets out of the group stages well I think it's an interesting group seeing that Japan qualified on a technicality they didn't have to play qualifiers because world rugby ruled that um, they're the highest ranked team in Asia so they had to go through ahead of um, Kazakhstan and Hong Kong so I think that's and they haven't won a World Cup game since 1994 when they played Sweden um, so Japan probably not going to do much in that group even though they have to, they've qualified so i think qualifying is actually a great thing for them to keep on building on their rugby in terms of the women's side of the game canada is the highest ranked team um i think they've they've played well some of their players um played in wall student games in 2018 as well in the sevens and have been seen in and around the seven circuit when they've had a chance um, interesting encounter when they played Japan because um, Leslie McKenzie is coaching Japan, used to play for Canada at hooker. So I, th- I think uh, what's uh, worth mentioning about Leslie McKenzie is that she is the only female rugby coach in the tournament. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how well um, a female can lead a, um, a women's rugby team in a women's rugby tournament. It's going to be very, very interesting. So let's hope that Japan does... Um, a little bit better than they did in the previous Rugby World Cup where they got knocked out of their group stage um, yeah. right at the bottom only winning like uh, three points. Yeah, and they were, they were all losing bonus points, um, yes. which is sad that they haven't even managed to win a game since 1994. But I think Canada is also, um, they've they've never placed lower than sixth in any Rugby World Cup I and mean, they've played in all Rugby World Cups, but they also haven't done particularly well beyond the group stages because they've either met in England or in New Zealand (laughs) in the next game and we know how that ends right and I think the different format for this year might actually work in their favor because then they can have a chance in a quarterfinal with the different opponents maybe they can get a Wales or a Scotland and they can fancy their chance of getting into the semis and knockout games I think unless you're playing England you might put yourself with the shot. Ruben would you put this group down as 
the group of death. You know, any World Cup, whether it's rugby or football or whatever, each one has a group of death. And this one, you've got Canada uh, coming third, USA sixth, and Italy fifth ranked in the world. Would you put this as the group of death? So I was thinking about that term early on about group of death, like just looking at um, who's who's in the group. Um, I wouldn't call them the group of death. I, w- I would more call them the group of minnows, the group of um, teams that are like emerging and getting better in, in improving to compete with the likes of the more dominant teams. Um, I still feel as though you're still going to see Canada and New Zealand dominate. Um, but who knows? Uh, Japan has new coaching staff, as we as we mentioned earlier on. Um, and I think I think it's going to be the group of surprises. Group of surprises. So what's the biggest surprise going to be coming out of this one, Caleb? I think the USA are going to do better than they have done in recent times. Um, we know they're the first Women's Rugby World Cup champions in 1991, and they played in the two successive finals after that. But they haven't done well. But when you watch the game they played against Scotland, they look like a team that needed that win. You know, when a team has had a poor run of form and they need a scrappy grind over the hill win to kind of just reignite that fire. I think the USA, I'm calling them in for a semi. Um, I'm calling them in for a semi um, because I think they'll be they'll be able to 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 be to deal with the Canada and deal with the Japan. Um, yeah, I don't see them not finishing first or second in this group. And also, what I feel is quite worth mentioning as well is that there's a lot of talent coming out of sevens rugby. So, um, like Leslie McKenzie, you've got Kate Zachary, who's the captain of um, the American rugby team, who is quite renowned for, but not only the sevens, um, a lot of American football talent. Um, that's emerging coming into these teams so using those skills from the fast-paced game of sevens and the fast-paced games of American football um, I think it's going to be quite an interesting tournament yeah and and if you look at some of the quality they have um, in, in their captain Kate Zachary she plays for Exeter Chiefs um, and they've got nine players are returning for a second World Cup so it's it's a mixture of experience and and both new talent in the squad and obviously their coach is, is very well acclaimed and he played for Saracens back in the days and I think he he he's able to get the best out of the team. What USA has struggled with lately is balance, whether they want to play, they're stuck in between trying to be the sevens team that can move the ball around and trying to grind wins out. So if they can hit that balance, I think they're in with the shot for a semi, definitely. Mm. So this tournament is going to be played at three venues. Uh, it's going to be played at the Northlands Event Centre, uh, Watakari Stadium, and New Zealand's National Stadium, Eden Park, which will, of course, host the final. Yeah. Now, we've seen that the opening game, that's already sold over 30,000 tickets for for the opening match for New Zealand, which is brilliant. And um, the amount of attention that this World Cup's getting, Caleb, is is phenomenal. I think if you look at, um, there's one of the podcasts I was listening to, whose name we shall not reveal on this one. Uh, <laughs> um, but they were saying, there was, they were interviewing a number of the players and they were saying, well, we didn't have a media day. We didn't have a media day for our for our, our World Cup squad announcement um, at the previous World Cup or the, or the one before that. So it's a huge step up of the coverage. We know ITV in the UK is covering every match. Um, so it's it's... I don't want to. I don't want to milk this. Oh, it's great to see. It's great to see. But it's finally getting the attention that uh, that it deserves. Yeah. Look, Aotearoa, um, as a country, does well when it comes to hosting World Cups. You remember 2011 um, when New Zealand won their first with Richie McCord. Then most stadiums were packed. I think 
New Zealand and England are great World Cup hosts if you mm-hmm. talk about rugby because they're rugby mad nations and they've got the numbers for people to support. So I think that's a plus. And what you see with New Zealand is the fact that it's 2021 and was supposed to happen last year has kind of allowed people more time to settle in, get tickets and and want some sport back into their lives in terms of outdoor activity. So I think that's brilliant. But I think it's also worth mentioning that it's the first World Cup with an all-female um, officiating panel, of course, excluding the TMOs. So I think World Rugby have done well with four of those coming with World Cup experience and Olympics experience. So you've got like of Amy Barretterone, refereed in Rio de Janeiro um, at the Olympics. So she comes a lot of experience. So I think that's it's it's great for, for the World Cup this year. And you talk about publicity. These are some of the stories that need to be getting out there. Um, and I think Eden Park, absolute of a of a venue for a final um interesting who england are playing in that final yeah <laughs> yes and reuben i suppose we've touched on who the squad makeups and we've had a number of the teams we've got sevens players coming in that are off the the world tour and everything what sort of dynamic do you think that's going to add to um attacking plays uh, at this world cup i think well also going back to the topic of the popularity as well you've seen the growth of sevens rugby how um you know a decade ago it was a smaller sport that you didn't really see on tv and now it's one of the biggest things and i think the aspect of bringing a lot of the sevens players in the foster pace um it's a it, it's a foster game that requires a lot of um intense concentration a lot of athleticism speed and i think that is something that women can really bring to the game too um, and once people start to see that, hey, this is going to be fast-paced, entertaining, I think it's only going to gain in popularity. And, you know, it's, it's also riding the wave of, um, you know, like with the Lionesses winning. Um, people have realized that, you know, women, th- th- these, these sports are entertaining. And, um, you know, and it's not necessarily pushed. I, th- I think it's a more organic way of growing the sport. Um, and adding that speed that you get from sevens, or even uh, with Canada and USA, a lot of people coming from American football, um, it's also incredibly fast, American sports. So bringing that aspect into 15-player rugby um, will be, well, we'll only see the sport grow. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 important to note that when, when you talk of the USA and Canada, these are all countries that host... Um, part of the sevens hsbc sevens leg series so you've got vancouver sevens you've got las vegas that surely does a great deal in growing the game in those places and i think which has been one of the downfalls of our game we love it but it struggled to become the global game and sevens has has made headways in 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 creating that kind of a global game that we all want so i think when you get to see players playing in those places in vancouver and las vegas you're then enticed to to play rugby more but it's still just a bit sad to know that the third ranked best team in at the world cup canada all have full-time jobs um i think everybody needs to look at wales and and learn from what wales has recently done in getting them professional contracts because surely they they they're not going to hit the highs if they're going to have to juggle between being a teacher and being a rugby player and rugby is as demanding as a sport physically and mentally as well so Hope that um, Canada, USA, these are all countries that can probably afford to do this, you know. 
So yeah, I hope that they by the time we rebreed next World Cup should have players fully contracted and playing rugby full time. Yeah, certainly something we're looking forward to seeing all of the nations actually taking it by the scruff of the neck and um, yeah. giving them full time contracts. It'd be great to see. So, Caleb, talk me through the outcome of this group. Who's going to be on top? Um, Canada wins the group. Um, USA comes second. I think Italy can go into the quarters as the best placed third team of the World Cup. Um, I think they're going to lose to Canada, but they'll get a bonus point. Um, they, they'll, they'll do the same with with um, with USA, and then they'll they'll beat Japan convincingly, and then I think they'll go in as a third like, best best team. So I think you can have more Group B teams in the quarters. I don't know. Um, Surely somebody is going to struggle in the Australian-New Zealand group, so we're going to have somebody fall there. <laughs> Ruben? Well, my predictions are very, very similar to that. Um, but seeing as though you and I are going to be doing this over the course of the next few weeks, <laughs> let me be a little bit different and say maybe that USA is going to finish on the top. Um, Canada will finish Ooh. second. And we'll see Japan do a little bit better than they did in the previous World Cup, um, finishing in third with Italy at the bottom. Okay, another shout, Brianna Miller, definitely going to make team of the tournament, um, I think, so yeah, just look out for her, I think she's, she's, she's got what it, what it takes to, 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 to do well at the big stage, she's played a bit of sevens, and she, yeah, I think she's um, calling out for team of the tournament. Nice, nice, well that was Pool B, uh, very much looking forward to seeing how they get on. And of course brings us on to our third and final pool featuring England, France, South Africa and Fiji. And um, I think, James, saying England will win this World Cup is just about the safest bet in all of sport at the moment. However, this is sport and it's uh, the best thing is that they might, um, might all go pear-shaped for them. But they've had a fantastic campaign leading up to this. Well, folks, I know you want to put up the uh, the interesting sporting table at this time. I think you've got the nail on the head. Let's just trot out the stats to get them out of the way for with England. Um, 25 consecutive games unbeaten. That's a world record. They last lost in 2019 with three perfect Six Nations campaigns. Just to point out, there's been 27 women's Six Nations. They've won it on 18 of those occasions. And they've won five of the last six. So... What would you say, Emma? Pretty dominant, that. Yeah, I think that looks like a sure win for them. Um, they've won the World Cup twice as well, 1994 and 2014. Uh, lost out last time, but I think they can do it again this year. So who does that mean, Emma, is England's biggest opponent in all of this? I'd say France and the pool are quite close. They qualified for the tournament coming in the top seven in 2017. Um, they, I think they um, were the closest team to defeating uh, England recently, uh, they lost 10-6 and 17-15 in 2021, so I think they could push them quite far in that respect. Yeah. That's doing them a, a, a service though, um, yeah, they, they are the closest yeah. they have come, but unfortunately <laughs> there's also 10 consecutive victories for France over, um, for England over France, apologies. So um, they are the closest that come to England, but that is relative in, in this regard, because obviously England have, England have been dominant for five, six years really. Um, Conceded only four tries in five games in the Six Nations. They are they are a a force to be reckoned with, to put it lightly. Um, yeah, yeah, hugely impressive from England, and I suppose 
their priority and was just getting out there, getting the first game under their belts, played, done, so they can actually settle in into their rhythm. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as they see it, just sort of business as usual, getting themselves, first of all, out the group stages, out the quarters, out the semis, and hopefully for them making it through to the final. And actually, if they can stay as relaxed as possible throughout that and just enjoy it, they'll have the best chance of success. Yeah, and they have six players from the winning 2014 squad. I think that will really help uh, build the momentum, especially for some of the younger members of the team going into the World Cup. I think they'll be good role models in that kind of respect. Yeah, James, I don't think it can be understated um, how important experience is. I mean, Emma's just said they've got six returning from the... um, the World Cup winning side but then you look at Wales who have got 19 players going into their first World Cup mm-hmm. so England in terms of experience it's stacked it is um, there were a few questions raised when Sam Wilson chose to not take a couple of experienced players Noah Hunt was probably the, the notable omission um, not that England is short of quality uh, scrum halves in the squad but uh, it's interesting to see that uh, Despite the the talent they have in the squad, they you know they can afford to leave someone out like that and still look incredibly strong. Their strength and depth is unbelievable. Um, and just to put that into perspective, their first game is against Fiji, twenty first ranked in the world. Obviously, that is their, uh, their this is their first appearance in the Rugby World Cup. They've also never played any of their pool opponents before, so it'll be interesting to see how they mm. get on in that. Yeah, for sure. And as much as they haven't had a lot of international experience, um, they're the domestic side, the Fijiana Jura, have actually won the inaugural Super W this year in Australia. Um, so they're not short of talent at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, in as it always is with Fiji, it's things like resources um, that matter. Um, but this is definitely a massive stepping stone for them to, to get to their first World Cup. They also had six sevens players who won bronze in Tokyo mm-hmm. and at the Commonwealth Games. So they've got some experience on that kind of side of the game so the speed should be something to watch out for yeah so they're always rapid those Fijians aren't they on the men's and the women's side if you miss a tackle on them that's you you've you've lost 20 30 40 meters at the pitch yes easily um and with those sevens players you know that they're, they're gonna have some uh, some uh, some serious lungs to keep going <laughs> even when <laughs> england might be stretching them left and right but uh yeah it'll be really interesting to see and obviously uh, covering this group they they're going to be my second favorites let's see nice so we've talked about England, Fiji. Emil, let's go through France, coming in as number four ranked team in the world at the moment. Do you have them favourites for a second in this pool? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they won the Grand Slam in 2018 in Six Nations. Um, so that would be something to to keep in mind. Laurie Sunsous as well was named player of the championship in the Six Nations in 2020. She scored the most tries. I think she's retiring at the end of the year, so it might be a good good end for her career in that respect there's a story there there's a headline there coming out of the group stage and going all the way all the way through mm. yeah that France team obviously they, um, they beat New Zealand last year we've touched on sort of the um, almost the asterisk that was next to that um, New Zealand performance but mm. but we're looking for big stuff from France I think there's two of them yeah for sure um, That they've actually got a four match winning streak against New Zealand so if they do ever come up against them they'll definitely have some confidence going into that um, it's just a shame that France are in the England pool because I think if in another pool we'd be talking them up a lot more. Um, but uh, the unfortunate thing for France, they sort of have like the like the uh, the Irish in the men's. They've just never quite made it fully in the World Cup. They've never made it to a final. Uh, they've reached the semi-final in seven out of eight World Cups. Um, so this could be the year that they break that if they don't have to face England again until until the final. Mm. Um, I hope so. 
Yeah, we'll see. And that leaves South Africa, our 12th and by no means last nation in uh, in this World Cup uh, in New Zealand, Imo. They're coming in ranked 11th in the world. What sort of campaign can we expect from the Springboks? I think it'd be interesting to see they didn't um, enter in 2017, so we haven't seen them perform at the World Cup since 2014, so it'll be good to see them on that kind of world stage. Um, they've won the Rugby Africa's Women Cup twice, um, and they've competed in only three World Cups, so it'll be, it'll be an interesting one to see how they move forward um, and how they stamp their place in the tournament. Yeah, and the reason that they chose not to, um, to go to the 27 World Cup is they actually cancelled or at least paused their women's uh, programme in order to basically reboot it. Um, they didn't play an international for four years. Their hen coach, Stanley Rabenheimer, was, yeah, when he took the job in May 2018, they hadn't played for four years. And so he has been the real kickstarter of this new campaign. It's going to be so exciting to see them. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ruben's touched on uh, the new women's coach in Japan. But as we've gone through this, there's been quite a lot of new coaches coming in for either three years or less or two years or less over the past couple of years, trying to make their mark. And I suppose, as you've talked about this revamp in South Africa, now we see if it works and now we see if um, this new generation of coaching talent can um, can make their mark on World Rugby. It will be very interesting to see. And another good thing to note is that this isn't the only opportunity, really, that we're going to have more structured women's internationals. So in 2023, we know we're, there's the launch of the WXV, which is this new annual global competition, 15, so it's going to be starting next year. Um, so this World Cup, um, is really the start of a new age of, I mean, again, we're going on about this again, but this is the springboard to a wider World Cup, 16 teams project, projected for 2025. Um, so I think for the first time between now and the next World Cup, we're going to have a lot more competition between these teams, a lot more time for maybe other teams to catch up with the, you know, the financial giants of, of England. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, we've got... Over the next wee while or so, as I said, we've got over 30 episodes where we'll be bringing you, covering uh, all of the matches and we'll be looking to bring you insight, analysis and uh, some interviews as well um, during the days we haven't got any rugby to talk about. And I think one of the things we'll look to touch on is the likes of Ireland. We've mentioned the home nations, England, Scotland and Wales. They're all competing, but but no Ireland knocked out in the um, in the qualifiers by Scotland. So we'll be looking into why they haven't why haven't made it why they haven't made it what they can do to get there, um, but we'll touch on that in the coming weeks or so. But uh, Imo, I suppose it's uh, a question we must ask: How does uh, Pool C shape up? I don't want to be the one to say it, but I think England will top. Um, <laughs> France close second. I'd like to see Fiji perform, but I don't know how they'll do in that in that regard. Probably South Africa fourth, and then Fiji last, unfortunately. Mm. I don't know. I I have I have a feeling about this Fiji team. They're a bit exciting. I've watched their I watched the highlights of them in the final of the Super W and of the Fiji Island team. That is just some of the skills I have is unbelievable. Um, I'd love to see them go against Africa. I've put that down as my my favourite game of the World Cup just because. Nice. I want to see that match up. See how it goes down. Um, I think the some of the England games might be a bit more one sided. So it will definitely be the best match up in my group. I don't know about the others. Alex, what do you think your favourite? Favorite uh, matchup in Pool A? Uh, it would be the Wales Scotland game. Completely agree with yeah, you. Yeah, right. 
just because of the the rivalry as well, it will be better. And the fact that both of them seem to be up and coming. I mean, there's a lot of young players in the Scotland squad, so mm. um, it'll be fun to watch. I think. Yeah. Paul B. Thoughts? Favorite game? USA Italy. Um, definitely, it's USA Italy. Um, I think that's. It will determine how Pool B shapes up because Canada takes it by far. Whoever wins that USA Italy game comes in second. Ruben? Yeah, I, I would tend to agree that's going to be a very interesting match. Obviously, uh, Canada, Canada, America will be very interesting too. But I think, uh, but I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be very entertaining. So, Ruben, who wins the World Cup? <laughs> My money's on England. Caleb. I think you'd be silly to say anything else than England. Um, I don't think the Black Ferns are going to, if they meet England in the final, if they do, I don't think they're going to beat England. I'm calling England. Emily Scarlett is very good. <laughs> Emo. I'm going to be controversial and say New Zealand. Whoa. Yeah. How much did Wayne Smith pay you? <laughs> <laughs> James. England, if they don't win it, it would be a failure. I think yeah, I mean you're spot on. I think if England don't win it, that's they've been very happy to say that themselves. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with their line. I really don't want to be boring, but England. England. (coughs) Well, I'm with you, Imo. I'm going with New Zealand to win it on home soil to beat England in the final, um, and cause an upset in the world of women's rugby. Surely you guys are gonna put a bet on this. You can't call New Zealand the head of England. Fine, I will. I will put a bet on it. Okay. <laughs> Can't back himself. I'll put, I'll put a tenner on it. Okay. Put, All right. I'll put, put his money where his mouth is. However, we should say at this stage, when gambling stops being fun, stop, stop. gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Very responsible. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was our preview of the World Cup that's coming up. It all kicks off on the eighth of October, and as we've said, running all the way through till the twelfth of November which is so, so exciting. We cannot wait to get into it and to cover all of the matches, uh, uncover all of the stories that are taking place and uh, see how our predictions get on. You'll be hearing from all of us in uh, little bits and bobs. Uh, we'll be looking to bring you 10, 15-minute episodes uh, the morning after the matches and uh, call it sort of a little breakfast show or brunch show, depending on <laughs> um, when we get it out to you all. Uh, but you'll be hearing from the six of us over the next four weeks or so. Uh, This has been uh, the first episode of the World Cup Daily podcast brought to you by the Sports Gazette and we will see you all next time.